Well, thank you very much for uh, inviting me to come and share with you. Um, uh, my wife and I go to uh, Glenelg uh, City Light Church, and uh, so while we were down at Goolwa um, recently, um, I had an email from uh, Montez saying, uh, would you be able to come and uh, share the word? So uh, that's a, a blessing to be able to come and join you. Um, I, uh, in the notes that Alison sent me, she said, uh, could sometimes uh, speakers uh, share their testimony on how they came to know the Lord? So uh, I just wanted to share that with you briefly so that you um, understand me a little bit more and, um, and what God has done in my life. Uh, I grew up in Tasmania. I trust you won't hold that against me. But uh, when I was uh, 17, I came to Adelaide uh, to study uh, architecture. And uh, mum, mum said I was probably too young to leave home, but, uh, and I was really, but um, it was my first time away from home. And, uh, and I thought even though I'd had a really happy family upbringing, it was uh, my opportunity, my golden opportunity to do what I felt like. And uh, I entered into the party life with uh, vengeance. As a result, I failed my first year. But uh, it was very hard for me because uh, I'd always done pretty well at, at school. And, uh, and underneath in my life, I could sense that uh, there was something missing. And uh, I can remember in the midst of one party just looking out of the window over the city and uh, thinking there got to be something deeper in life. But I just had no idea what it was. And uh, one day walking across the campus, um, a man approached me, um, a fellow called Ian, and uh, he, said, uh, he said, I'm a believer in Jesus uh, on the campus here, and uh, would you mind if I asked you a few questions? And I said to him, no, no, that's uh, fine, I'm open to, uh, open to anything. Uh, well, I was, really. And, uh, and he said, um, do you believe in God? And I said to him, I, I believe in God, but he's, he's very far off, uh, you know, uh, a long way away. Uh, well, what about uh, Jesus Christ? And I said, well, I, I believe that he existed, but um, he's not really very relevant to me in my everyday life. And, and what about eternal life? Well, I gave him my sermon on salvation, which I haven't brought that sermon today because you'd probably kick me out if I, if I preached that sermon. But I said, well, it's like a pair of scales, you know, and if you're good enough, you'll uh, get eternal life. And if you're not good enough, you'll miss out. Well, very wisely, he just listened and he said to me, uh, would you like to look at the Bible and see what the Bible says about eternal life and about Jesus Christ? And, uh, and so that was the first time I, I started to study the Bible for myself and looked into what the Bible said and about Jesus being both God and man and about the cross and the resurrection and about eternal life. Well, uh, strangely, the Bible was a little bit different to what I had thought. And the Bible said that eternal life and forgiveness is a gift from God by grace through faith. And, and no one, no one is good enough for God. No one has the, their own righteousness that's good enough. And the key verse that uh, stood out to me uh, was uh, 1 John 5, 11 and 12, 
and he who has the Son has life. Not he who has lived a good enough life, but he who has the Son has life. And, and it was like I could see in my front of my eye, in my mind, there were two roads. And one was eternal life in Jesus, and one was uh, no eternal life without Jesus. And, uh, and so there came that point where I called on Jesus to forgive my sin and to come into my life and give me the gift of eternal life. And, and he came in. And my friend Ian helped me on how to read the Bible, to hear God's voice and how to pray, to talk with God, how to be part of a community of believers. And, uh, and he showed me a new purpose in life, to know God and, and to help him. Uh, and to help others come to know him and honour him. And he gave me a new deep inner peace that my sin was forgiven. Well, God began to put the pieces of my life back together and he's uh, still doing it uh, 47 years later. But uh, I passed my repeat year and went on to finish my course and, uh, and worked full time till about three years ago. Um, I, I married uh, Ruth and uh, God gave us uh, five children and uh, two of them are married and, and God has brought each one of them to himself in his way, in his timing. So it's a new era in our lives. And uh, I want to share with you today um, what faithful men and women have shared with me over the years to help me grow in my Christian life. But let me say this to encourage you that my friends, uh, non-Christian friends that I knew before I became a Christian said to me afterwards, uh, you were the most unlikely person we ever thought would become a Christian. And, uh, and I think you're going to be relating, you relate to people who at first glance you think they could never become a believer. But God is at work. And God's at work in our city and in our families, our extended family. And uh, to, I believe we've got to trust him. Trust him that he, is, he can do a deep work in people's lives. I'm so thankful for what he's done. So, the little slide says 2020. There are many voices. And we had our reading from Colossians 3, uh, 3, about the new life in Christ. And God wants us, he's done a wonderful work in our lives if we've come to know him. He wants us to look up and we want to take the little phrase there in verse 16. Let the message about the Messiah, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. And you may say, what does that mean? Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. And it's that little phrase that I want to share with you this morning that has just how people have helped me over the years that we could let God's word dwell in our lives. Uh, next slide. Um, in the Living Bible, it says, uh, remember what Christ taught. Let his words enrich our lives. And the message paraphrase, 
let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Let it have plenty of room in your lives. And uh, so this year, 2020, you're going to be hearing many voices. A lot of people want to tell you what to do. A lot of influence comes through social media, through TV, through the whole uh, world system. There are many voices. And I believe what God wants to say to all of our hearts is let the word of Christ have the run of the house. Let it have room in your life to speak to your heart. Well, what does that mean um, to, uh, for him to let it, uh, let it have plenty of room in your life? Well, I want to give you um, five areas where I've been, I was really helped to be able to let it have room in my life. So if we go to the next uh, slide, I'm going to give you a hand, a hand to grow in the Bible. It's also five points, so you'll know how far we're progressing through the sermon as we go. But the first one is hearing. First, how do we hear? To give God's word room in our lives, we've got to hear God's word. In Luke 11, 28, um, Jesus was uh, a woman from the crowd, raised a voice and said to Jesus, the womb that bore you and the one who nursed you are blessed. And Jesus said, well, even more, those who hear the word of God and keep it are blessed. Those who hear the word of God and keep it. It's the, we really, how do I know that I'm hearing God's word when it starts to change my life, when it starts to shape my life, when God can speak and I can respond. In James 1, he says, But be doers of the word, and not merely hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If anyone's a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man looking at his own face in the mirror. He looks at himself, he goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he is. And God says he longs for us as we listen to the word of God, as we hear the word, that we don't go away and forget what God has said, but we allow him to speak into our lives. It's a good question to ask as you come here this morning. Did you come to hear God? It's a lovely thing to be able to come in fellowship, and, uh, but it's so easily that church becomes just a routine. Instead of saying, have I, have I come here to hear God's word? One of the verses we prayed for our children was that growing up, they would hear God's voice to their heart. Isaiah 54, verse 13, All your children shall be taught by the Lord and great shall be their peace. We just long for each of our family, and we still do, we still pray for them that they will be taught by God. I mean, parents need to teach their children, but we long that it will be God who will teach them. But having had five in the family, I know what it's like moving an army, you want to come to church and uh, 
and, and you, uh, you get here at the last minute and you sit down when you've made it and you just think, relax, and then you think, cool, now I have to sit and listen to a sermon as well. It's been hard enough just to get the family here. And, but, but God says, just work on sitting there and saying to me, Lord, I just want to hear your voice to my heart today. I want to learn from you and hear what you've got to say to my heart. Like Samuel, 1 Samuel 3.10, the Lord said, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel responded, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. That's a beautiful verse to pray as we, as we come to, uh, to church, to say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I want to hear what you've got to say to me today. Back in Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel 33, God was saying, um, they expressed their love with their mouths, but their hearts pursued dishonest profit. Yes, to them you are like a singer of love songs that has a beautiful voice and plays skillfully on an instrument. They hear your words, but they don't obey them. And sometimes we can react when someone shares something with us from the word, or we can look at the, at the way they dress or the way they say something. Instead of saying, is this God speaking into my life? Is this the word of God that God wants to say something to me and share something about my life? Ezekiel 3, Son of man, listen carefully to all my words that I speak to you and take them to heart, to your heart. Take things to your heart as God speaks from, from his word. You know, I have, uh, I have two notebooks and uh, one's a sort of um, a project notebook where if I've got a topic or something, I, I look up, I, I just jot down notes and that. And then I have a daily one. I've got 2020 now. I've just bought my new one for this year. And, uh, and so sometimes uh, I take notes in a, in a sermon um, I, uh, or, or I take notes as God says something to me as I'm thinking about things. Uh, well, I'm not saying that uh, you all have to get A5 black note notebooks with 2020 on the outside, but what I'm suggesting is you've got to say to yourself and before God, what helps me to hear? The, whether it's hearing the sermon, whether it's hearing something as uh, someone else shares a verse from me, what helps me to hear? You know, some people take uh, notes on their smartphone. And uh, I always find the trap is uh, then when you get a, a drop-down message from your friend halfway through the sermon and can I resist wondering what the message is? So you've got to ask yourself, uh, what helps you to hear? And for some people, they almost write out every word in the sermon and I think, how much are they really listening to uh, what God is saying? Others just jot down a few summaries. Others just uh, talk about it. You know, that's the context of the verse. Uh, let the message, the word of Christ, richly dwell, teaching and admonishing one another. One way to keep what we hear is to then share it with others and, uh, and pass it on. Sometimes, especially when the children were really little, uh, I might jot down a few notes because Ruth would be at home with the children and, uh, and then we could go back and I could share with her what the sermon was about. 
and what, uh, what God had said. Jesus told the parable of the soils, the parable of the sower and the soils, and, uh, and how he sowed in the, um, uh, when anyone hears the word about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. And how quickly it is, we can hear God's word and then all of a sudden someone comes up with something about the, the, you know, the, the football match on the weekend or about something that's happened in the home life and it's very quickly that the devil just snatches away uh, what, we've, uh, what we've heard. And, uh, and then the one on the rocky ground, he hears the word, immediately receives it with joy but has no root in himself, he's short-lived. We don't allow, we don't give room for that word from God to start to get into our lives. There's no root in our lives. And, uh, and then um, uh, the one sown among the thorns, the one who hears the word but the worries of this age. You know, you could be sitting here worried about some job situation that's going to come up uh, tomorrow or worried about some family thing. And, uh, and the worries of this world, the seduction of wealth, the attractiveness of things, can just choke the word before God can, before it has room to work in our lives. So it's good to ask, what kind of listener am I? Am I giving the word of God room as I hear it, that it starts to shape my life and change me? You can't even have, uh, someone used to say, uh, we used to have roast preacher for lunch. So we'd go home and chat about it. Well, I don't mind what you say about me, but uh, I, what I'd love to hear is that you went home to lunch and you talked a bit about how can we allow the word of God to shape our lives and change our lives. Um, we, so that's, that's hearing. Well, the next slide uh, is um, reading. So we can hear God's word, we can read it. And uh, in, in Nehemiah chapter 8, uh, Ezra says, opened up the book, the Bible, in full view of all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood up. You know, in some churches, everyone stands when they uh, read the Bible. Uh, out of respect. For, uh, for God's word. I'm not saying you have to do it, but I just think it's an interesting uh, aspect of uh, we can do it out of tradition or we can do it out of from the heart that even though I'm sitting down, I'm standing out of respect for, uh, for the word of God. And, uh, and Ezra praised the Lord and, uh, and, they, and they read, they read from, uh, from the book of the law. Out of the, they read out of the book of the law of God, translating and giving the meaning so that all the people could understand what was read. And even back in the Old Testament, the kings, in Deuteronomy 17, the king had to write out a copy of the word so that he would live by it. So don't take this for granted. Back in, uh, in 1 Timothy uh, 4, it says, until I come, give your attention to public reading, to the reading of the scripture. And I think in, in our 
uh, generation when we've got Bibles, uh, you know, we've got such an easy access to the Bible. Back then, uh, there were many who couldn't read, who didn't have a copy of the Bible. And, and so Paul had to write to Timothy and say, make sure you give attention to this public reading of the Scripture. We have the Scriptures so accessible. Uh, they're so accessible. And yet how much are we reading the Bible? Reading is like when you go on holiday and you go up on a lookout and you look out over the whole city or countryside. Reading the Bible gives you a panorama of what God is saying. And uh, let me encourage you to, to read the Bible. You may say, well, doesn't every Christian do that? Well, unfortunately, no. And I'm not saying you've got to read the whole Bible in a year, but what I think you could do is get some sort of plan that will get you through the Bible. See, the Bible says that all Scripture is inspired by God. All Scripture is profitable. My, uh, my dear wife, uh, many years ago, got to Revel when she was still growing up, would get to Revelation, and then she'd complain to her father, how can I ever understand this book of Revelation? You know, I'm supposed to read it. And uh, he very uh, wisely would say, don't try and understand everything. Just read the flow. And in each chapter, what do you learn about Jesus? What do you see about him? And step by step, God will unfold his word to you. Get a good readable translation. And, uh, and then sometimes um, uh, it's good to vary. See, I read uh, the ESV a couple of years ago, then the um, Christian Standard Bible. Um, I read the message one year, recognising it's a paraphrase. But uh, vary your reading, just to stimulate your reading from the Scriptures. And, uh, and, it, and there are plenty of plans. If you, uh, if you Google um, Bible reading plans, you'll get plenty of, uh, plenty of ideas uh, on that. But as you read, pray. Say, Lord, Psalm, Psalm 118 has got a beautiful prayer. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your word, your law. Another important thing about Bible reading is to make it a dialogue, not a monologue. What I mean by that is a monologue where it's just God speaking to you. Make it a dialogue. As you read through the Bible, talk back to God in prayer about it. And as he, as, uh, you know, uh, as I was um, reading this morning, John 4, about the woman at the well, and, uh, and, I, and the Lord brought to mind some friends who are not believers. And, uh, and the Lord reminded me to pray for them, that they would come to experience the living water of the Lord. And, and, and I said, Lord, could you touch their lives and help them? So make it not just uh, where a thing, oh, I've got to tick the box now, I've done my reading, but make it a time where God speaks to you and you speak to him. That's a relationship. That's the Christian life. It's not meant to be do this, do this, do this, but it's meant to be a relationship with Jesus where he speaks with us and we speak with him. 
And don't forget reading as a family. Over many years, uh, you know, our, our children talk about sometimes how helpful it was to have just a short Bible reading as a family. We didn't get it every day, but that we just wanted to see that we could have a little time in the home where we'd read a short passage and pray. I, I got onto a plane one time uh, travelling to Melbourne and I had a little paperback, uh, a new, new international version. I think they'd just come out as a, um, uh, as a paperback, a brightly coloured paperback and I was sitting there and the fellow sat down next to me uh, and he said, oh, oh, what are you reading? Expecting some sort of... Uh, you know, gory novel or something like that. And I said, well, actually, I'm reading the, uh, I'm reading the New Testament. And, uh, and he said, um, that's the problem with you Christians. You're always reading the Bible. And, uh, and I thought, what can I say? You know, um, I said, Lord, help me to know what to say. And, uh, and I said, um, well, you travel, don't you, with work? And uh, yeah, yeah. Well, what happens when you get... Uh, like I'd been working overseas a little bit, I get a letter from home, and uh, and I said, uh, you know, I'll, I'll uh, that was back in the pre-email days actually, but you know, even with emails, you you get a note from home, and you uh, you read it when it comes through, you know, you rip the letter open and you read it because it's uh, from home. Well, then that evening I'd get the same letter out and read it. Well, hadn't you really read it? Yeah, but it's from home. I I want to read it and, uh, and take it in. I want to read it three or four times. And I said, it's like that with the Bible. The Bible is a letter to us from God. And reading it once is not enough. I want to keep hearing what God would say to me. And I see things now that I've been a believer for many years. I still realise how little I know about God how little I know about the Christian life and how much he wants to keep speaking into my life. I've still, you never get too old to give room for the word of God to speak into your life. We've got to read it. It's very serious in a way. The Sadducees came to Jesus and, uh, and they said to him, uh, you know, they gave him this complicated story of the woman who marries you know, a husband, the husband dies and then, uh, you know, and then the next husband dies and the next husband dies. Uh, you know, one preacher said to me, um, you'd, uh, you'd, you'd think after a while the, the men would wake up that all these husbands were gradually dying. But anyway, that wasn't the point of the story. The point of the, st uh, the story they were trying, trying to say to Jesus, well, whose husband, uh, you know, what will the marriage situation be like in heaven? Well, Jesus had to say to them, you are just so mistaken. You know, don't you read your Bibles? Don't you know how God works? And we can get our lives in all sorts of problems when we don't read our Bibles and know what God says about our situation, about our lives and so on. Uh, so let me encourage you to get into a Bible plan I don't want to load you up, but I just want to say, get into a, some sort of Bible reading plan that you can progressively read through your Bible. Well, that's hearing and that's reading. So the next one is study. And if reading is like your panoramic view of the whole Bible, study is, uh, is like when you start to get your microscope out 
and, and get into it. And the reason we need study as well is what when Jesus spoke with those Sadducees, he says um, he actually got down to the tense of the verb in the Bible. He says, because uh, the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection, and he says, I am the God of the living, not I was uh, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, but I am. So uh, Jesus says, you've got to really know your Bibles, not just in a panoramic view, but he longs for us to start to get into the detail of the Bible. In Acts 17.11, the verse up there, um, Paul uh, comes to Berea and, uh, and he says, uh, the people here in Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica since they welcomed the message with eagerness and they examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Paul wasn't threatened when he came and shared the word and the people went home and got their papyrus scrolls out or whatever they had and checked him out. He was actually delighted that people would go away and study the Bible and check him out. Was he true? Was he keeping true to the word of God? And, and I, that's so important for us then, not just to do the panoramic view, but to start to study the Bible step by step. You know, in Matthew 4, when the devil comes to tempt Jesus, the devil even quotes scripture, but he quotes it out totally out of context. And we're going to face situations with people, they'll come and share scriptures with us. You know, most of the cults do not come up to you and say, I want you to stop believing that Jesus is God, and I want you to stop believing that the Bible is the word of God. But they distort the scripture. There's plenty of scriptures in the cults, but it's all distorted. And unless we're starting to study these scriptures, we can't just rely on our pastor. Even though Montez is not here, I'm sure he would agree with me. He would want all of you to be growing in, in being able to handle the truth of the scriptures. And in Ezra 7.10, Ezra had determined his heart to study the law of the Lord, obey it, teach its statutes and ordinances in Israel. And, uh, you know, commentaries are great, but we need to dig in for ourselves. We've got plenty of resources to do it. But this is how I became a believer. It was the first time I'd really come and studied the Bible for myself. One pastor said recently, you know, churches are full of baby Christians because we haven't grown in the word. We haven't really learned to hear it, to read it, and to study. As it says in 2 Timothy 2, 15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, correctly handling the word of truth, handling the word of God accurately so that we know what it says and, and why it says it. So we'll move on. After digging deep in the word, memorise. Well, if there's an Achilles heel to um, uh, a lot of Christians, uh, including me, it's memorising God's word. And yet uh, God says in Psalm 119, 9-11, How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. I've, uh, I've treasured your words in my heart 
that I might not sin against you. So God gives us a way of the Christian life of memorising his word. You know, when, when Jesus was tempted, he could quote the scriptures back to the devil. And when I became a believer, uh, you know, my friend Ian, uh, he uh, helped me to memorise five verses. And, uh, and here I am, uh, you know, 40, 50 years later, I can still remember those five verses. They were just so helpful to me as I faced doubts, assurance of salvation, 1 John 5, 11 and 12. And this is the testimony, the record that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who has not the Son of God has not life. And sometimes I'd feel guilty, oh, perhaps I've sinned now and, and I've lost eternal life. Well, he gave it to me in the first place. It was through Jesus, not through my own good life. And I could quote that verse at my doubts, at my fears, at my worries. Does God really hear my prayer? John 16, 24. Up till now, you've never asked in my name. Ask and you will receive, that your joy will be complete. And, and God spoke to my heart about that, that yes, there were many things I had never really asked Jesus about. And Jesus is saying, ask him, talk with me about it. Is there any hope in the temptations I face? In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he will provide the way of escape. And when I sin, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Little by little, these verses, you know, I, I thought everyone learnt five verses when they became a Christian, but apparently not. But I, all I'm saying to you is they were such a help to memorise a verse. And then... I went through patches where I haven't learned anything. And then uh, when we're away on holidays, you got the next uh, slide. Um, I actually did a painting and uh, a verse, Psalm 145, 16. You open your hand and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. As I painted it, I memorised it. And um, uh, the family is not so keen on my paintings. So uh, my first one, they had to hang in the toilet. But uh, we're, gradually, we're gradually getting there. But whatever means you have, let me encourage you to memorise some verses and have them in your heart so that you can quote them as you face your fears and your doubts and so on. Well, we better move on to the next slide. Uh, meditate, the final one, meditate. And meditate, we have some funny ideas these days about meditation that are not biblical. Bible meditation, when the Bible talks about meditation, it's not talking about emptying your mind. It's not talking about chanting certain mantras. It's about meditating on God's work and what he has, uh, what he has done and in his word. So it's meditation on God's word and God's work. In uh, Psalm uh, 1... Verses 2 and 3, it's a beautiful picture. Um, Blessed is the man who does not follow or stand in the advice of the wicked or take or walk in the path of sinners or sit in the group of mockers. 
Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. He's like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bears its fruit in season. And uh, in Joshua 1.8, that uh, you are to meditate on the word of God day and night. It's, it's prayerful reflection on God and what he's done. And, and just as the thumb can touch each finger, so we can meditate on what we hear. We can meditate on what we read, on what we study, on, on what we memorise. We can chew it over in our mind. Uh, next slide. Uh, here's a cow up at Jamestown. You say, whatever we got a picture of a cow. Well, you may or may not be aware that cows ruminate. They have a series of stomachs. I can't give you the full anatomy of it, but they bring their grass back up to chew on it. They're not the only animal that does it, but I believe that's like meditation. We hear a word, we then bring it back up again to chew on it. The cow does it to get the maximum out of the grass. We need to meditate to keep bringing up what God has said to us so that we can get the maximum benefit out of it for our lives. Right. And so uh, A-E-I-O-U, I don't know whether they still do that at school, the vowels, but uh, you can ask different questions, you can emphasise different words. So let's go to the next slide. Here's our verse, let the word of Christ dwell within you richly. So I can ask a question, am I really giving space in my life for the word of God? Would, would, would I say that it's dwelling richly or am I pretty poor when it comes to the word of God? Emphasise different words. Let the word of Christ, give it room. Let the word of Christ, his, his word to me in the Bible, it's the word of Christ. This is Jesus wanting to speak to me. You can emphasise uh, different words and then you can put it in your own words. Lord, today I, I just want to give you know, the Bible room in my life to speak to my heart. And then other cross-references. Um, one cross-reference is in Ephesians 5 where he says um, it's in the, in the same sort of context but to be controlled by the Spirit, singing with thankfulness in your heart and so on, uh, uh, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We can see that letting the Word of God dwell richly is the same as being controlled, being led by the Spirit of God. So... God will give you precious promises in your life. And uh, I know when we were thinking about, uh, when I was thinking about getting married, Psalm 112 became a very precious promise to me. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. Wealth and riches are in their houses. Well, I'm not preaching the prosperity gospel that you'll all be rich, but what God does promise is that he will provide. And I was getting mixed up between, uh, I was thinking I had to provide everything and then and God would sort of force me to obey instead of thinking, no, it's God who is the one who provides. We respond to him in faith and he provides. But that became a very precious 
promise to us. So let the message of Christ, the word of Christ, dwell richly within you. I haven't come today to load you up with a whole lot of spiritual disciplines, but I want you to think about the word of God, giving room for the word of God in your life through hearing it, reading it, studying it, memorising it, meditating upon it. Think of it as one fellow who's written a recent book, call it the habits of grace. His word is his grace to us, his undeserved favour. He's given us this resource that we might grow in our Christian lives. Ask the Spirit of God to open up his word to you that he would use his means of grace to you for your life. And in Acts 20, 32, Paul commends the Ephesian elders to God and to the word of his grace. And in finishing, let me just, uh, next slide, the story of Zacchaeus. But if you know the story of Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus was a man who was pretty well off. He was a bit corrupt. And, uh, but he wanted to see Jesus. And so he climbed a tree because he was a short man. He climbed a tree and the passage says he wanted to see Jesus. And I want to say to you in conclusion, the Bible is like that tree. Each day, climb the tree, not just to tick the box that I've climbed a tree, but that I've seen Jesus and that he has spoken to my heart. That's the word of grace toward us. And my prayer is that individually and as a fellowship, you'll meet Jesus. You'll give the word of God room in your lives this year and you'll hear his voice and learn about him and the kingdom. Amen.